the path doesn't have to be straight. We have enough information that we can value courage. You're listening to the We Get Real AF podcast, exploring the future with trailblazing women and girls in emerging tech, XR, AI, and futurism. Science and technology are reshaping our world at lightning speed. Engage in conversations that'll spark your curiosity and challenge what you thought possible. Inventing tomorrow starts now. And here are your hosts, Vanessa Alava and Sue Robinson. Welcome to We Get Real AF, everybody, and welcome to our followers on Twitch today. I'm Sue Robinson. And I'm Vanessa Alava. Uh, please remember to subscribe, write, and comment on the show wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And yes, if you haven't already, check us out on Twitch and YouTube for some video content. Yay. Well, today we're doing another technology talk. Vanessa and I like to do these every uh, couple of weeks to just sort of look at what's going on around us in the world, in technology and science, and in the future, which my topics are going to tie into today, kind of futurism. So uh, hopefully you guys will uh, find this interesting and thought-provoking. And as always, we welcome input if you're here with us on Twitch, or if you want to shoot us an email as well um, at Sue and Vanessa at wegetreallyf.com with any topic suggestions or feedback you have for us. Vanessa, do you want to kick us off today? What you got? Sure. I'm going to start off with a kind of a short one, but interesting um, that Walmart is seeking someone to develop cryptocurrency products. So there is a uh, listing for a new senior director um, in cryptocurrency. And I know that we've talked about Amazon potentially venturing into this a little bit as well. Um, however, uh, it looks like Walmart is looking into it. Anyway, if you're interested and you are that person that Walmart is looking for, <laughs> the title is Cryptocurrency and Digital Currency Product Lead. And it's not surprising that they're playing in this field if that's where new currency is going to to go right in this digital world and i just thought it was interesting it's a very short little blurb but uh yeah it looks like amazon and walmart are uh tapping into this that is really interesting you know do you even carry cash anymore when you go out we are the worst and i think the millennials are <laughs> when it comes to this like jason and i recently received like a hundred dollars cash i think and we were like hmm maybe we should keep this in our car in case we run into a situation on the road because we never carry cash on us but no to answer your question we do a lot of digital everything is digital you know we're on venmo to send money to and fro uh we write an occasional check but <laughs> apart from that like it is all numbers on a screen yeah i mean i'm the exact same way vanessa and actually after this last year and a half when we've all become so germaphobic when you think about cash mm -hmm. physical cash it's kind of gross <laughs> yeah um it's definitely a different a different era i feel like physical cash will at least uh, currency that we exchange day to day will kind of go away. And I think we have seen the world of currency become very much digitized. So it makes sense. Uh, the reason I asked the question is because I think it does make sense that we're all heading towards sort of a, a cryptocurrency landscape, the sort of the next wave of exchange of value. Mm -hmm. But I don't carry cash either because I, I just never do. And, and I think about it too when I'm in Raleigh, where I am right now, and this is true probably in any city, where you see homeless people out on the street corners who yeah. hold up the sign saying money, you know, give me money. I, there was a young person 
down the street the other day doing that. And I happened to have $6 in my wallet. So I was able to, to give that to them. But I mean, I have to think that that impacts that whole world because mm-hmm. how do you, how do you panhandle yeah. when nobody's carrying cash? I don't know why I thought of that too, but yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. It's changing even little, you know, things that you might not think about. Um, oh, absolutely. And I think it also, depending on where you are in larger Metro cities, like there are small businesses that only operate on cash where only cash is accepted, which seems like a foreign concept. But like, I remember living in New York, like you would walk in and if you didn't have cash, you you couldn't buy anything in that store. So anyway, yeah, it, it makes complete sense. I'm really, really eager to learn more about this space just because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm almost um, embarrassed that I don't know more. And NFT still is very like, I kind of know a little bit like about what that means, like, and that's non-fungible token, but it, it still is so ambiguous. And I can't mm-hmm. wait to really kind of take a deeper dive. And when I say a deep dive, a deep dive, just so that it's broken down in layman's terms where I'm able to understand the jargon, because right now this just words on a page, just like the numbers on the screen in my bank account. <laughs> so uh, Walmart and Amazon, just suffice it to say, Vanessa and I will not be applying for your no? position. <laughs> However, we'd love to interview the person who ultimately does hold that role. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, totally shifting gears here. And this, Vanessa, leans into our core mission of empowering women around the world. Medical News Today reported on a UN study that said a preference for sons could lead to 4.7 million missing female births globally um, in the coming years. And so I think anybody who's sort of culturally aware knows that some societies have a preference for male children over female or intersex children. Since the 1970s, sex selective abortions have resulted in skewed sex ratios at birth in favor of males in a number of countries. And a new UN study predicts that there could be at least 4.7 million fewer girls born globally by 2030 and possibly as many as 22 million fewer by the year 2100 as a result of this trend. The researchers warn that the resulting surplus of men in these countries will cause a marriage squeeze and may also increase antisocial behavior and violence. And uh, the UN identifies the sex selection of babies before birth as a harmful practice on, on par with child marriage and female genital mutilation. So I'm bringing that up because obviously we have talked on our show many times about um, emerging science and technology that allows us to sort of peer into the DNA of humans and uh, look in utero and, and correct uh, medical conditions and genetic disabilities and flaws and and things like that are, are like a really positive side of this technology and the scientific advancement. But we also know that we live in a, in a world that's very flawed and that in many places is, is very, very misogynistic. And I think that those trends need to be better understood and better recognized by those, as, those of us in the West, as well as worldwide, because we really do need to grapple with what is this technology and what do these scientific advances mean for the next generation of women who will never populate this earth, according to this study. Yeah. Um, it's, it's sad. And I shake my head because I feel like we're in 2021 and we're still having these conversations. And I think that we're privileged to live in the country in which we live. There's always going to be some type of, uh, divisiveness or, you know, things that you don't agree on, but 
you know, as much opportunity as we have here for women to prosper in this country in other ways and to make more forward momentum, when you compare to other countries, it's better here is very unfortunate. Yeah. Well, you know, you say it's incredible that we're still having these conversations in 2021. And I think what's eye-opening to me about this is that we are having those conversations in our country, but clearly in many parts of the world, people aren't having those conversations. Mm -hmm. And the gender stereotypes and the preference for male over female continues to the very great detriment of everybody, obviously, especially to women. And so I think it's such a it's such a nuanced and complex problem. I think that technology makes it even more complex because again, people can take technology as we say, and they can use it for good, but they can also use it for, for really terrible things. And so I think maybe the, the way it starts is by having conversations and, and education mm-hmm. and helping people to sort of overcome those using technology in ways that maybe can help people overcome their stereotypes, overcome their cultural biases and, and just, I don't have an answer to this problem, obviously, but it's troubling. And again, as a podcast that focuses on empowering women's voices globally, because our audience is global, mm-hmm. I think it's really important that we know that these trends are still going on because it's super easy, I think, for us here in the U.S. to live in a bubble and just think that everybody else has the same access to information, right. the same access to equality that we have here. And that is clearly not the case. We are very much in the minority in the world. Even the access that women in other countries may or may not have to technology or to even play with the idea of getting into any type of education, you know, even smaller chance of even getting into a very male dominated field. Um, so yeah, it's just, um, it's very sad and, you know, real, you know, we like to keep it real, but, um, hopefully that we're, we're trying to make small dents. Yes. That big impact. And, you know, and I'm glad that organizations like the UN and medical news today are reporting on these things because I think again it comes to awareness and then people caring enough to get involved and in, and to use their voices to dispel old ways of thinking and to empower women and girls in countries where that's desperately needed. It's, it's needed everywhere, but some places certainly more than others. So I, I just wanted to put that out there because that is definitely something we're looking at in the future, apparently, according to this study. Absolutely. Well, moving on to a a different topic, and it's sad in other ways, um, but there was an article on The Verge that mentioned that flick type, um, which is a a keyboard for the blind um, or people that have low vision, um, is going away. And it's going away due to some conflict between the app developer and Apple. And it seems like there's been some feuding for several years about the app itself and how it integrates into the iPhone um, and whether or not it's available when the app is not on, which is something that Apple would want of their apps. It wants it to continue to work, even though it's not on, like, you know, when you press it, it's ready to go type of thing, which I guess, to the developer's point that they've tried to argue that that is something that works and they have rectified any type of issue that potentially could have been there a a while ago, but it keeps coming up and they've said, you know what, hands up, we're done. And there's some like, quote unquote, shady behavior that was spoken about in this article about how maybe this comes from Apple trying to kind of push flick type to sell their technology to Apple so that they can profit off of it. 
don't know if that's true, but that is something that was referenced in the article, which I thought was interesting. ClickType is a very, very, very uh, successful app for people who who rely on it. We talk about inclusive technology and it's something that's exciting to talk about on the show, um, but this seems like just because of political whatever and financial gain, this is going away. Uh, they want you to know that it's still gonna be available on the Apple Watch. Um, you'll still have that accessibility, but um, in the next Apple update, ClickType will no longer be available on the Apple keyboard on the iPhone. Yeah, that is that is troubling news, certainly for anybody who, who relies on that, right? Um, mm-hmm. And my hope would be that it can be resolved and or that, you know, wherever wherever something goes away, that's a good idea. New technologies, new providers, new app developers come in typically and see that as an opportunity. And so I hope that that is the case here and that maybe maybe something even more innovative and, and more helpful will have its opportunity, its moment to shine um, and, and to reach adoption. Because yeah, uh, we do talk about inclusive technology all the time and it's incredibly important um, that that continue to thrive and, mm-hmm. and be robust. So yeah, definitely. All righty. Well, now I'm going to go on to China and I'm going to go on to social media influencers. And <laughs> Vanessa and I did... Uh, an episode many months ago when we first started the podcast with our wonderful friend, Linda Ricci, talking about the future of the spatial world. And one of the things we talked about was digital influencers and how they were starting to be a thing. And apparently there is a new social media influencer in China. Her name is Ling. And she has more than 130,000 followers on Weibo, which is China's version of Twitter. 130,000 followers doesn't sound like a lot to, you know, an influencer here in the West, but I have to think that it's noteworthy because in that part of the world, 130,000 is a lot. Anyway, she's not real, but she has uh, managed to net ad deals with Tesla and Nike, which is one of China's biggest bubble tea chains. And what's interesting is that, you know, she is culturally, again, uh, the perfect doll or the vision of beauty in the Chinese culture, porcelain skin, early 20s looking. Um, she doesn't cause any problems for any of any of the advertisers who want to work with her because obviously she is AI. So she's not you know, doing crazy things in a bar <laughs> Saturday night or saying politically incorrect things. Um and so I just think it's kind of interesting that an AI influencer, like that's even a thing. <laughs> what do you mm-hmm. think, Vanessa? No, is this kind of like the Asian version of the little Michaela, I guess? Is that what uh-huh. we're, we're talking about here? Yeah. Um, well, we've talked about this before and we've in great lengths about how, yes, you have an influencer who's doing exactly what you want to do and want it to want it thing, the thing, I mean, it's a thing, it's an it, right? (laughs) It's doing Uh exactly what you want it to do, saying exactly what you want it to say. And you have that comfort level of, yes, you're not going to do anything to damage your brand, right? But at the same time, is that really being authentic in this like business of trying to be the, the most real you can be and really relate to the average human being? You're using a computer generated avatar. I don't know. I I think it's weird. I think it's weird. I think it's weird too. And 
I don't, I don't know, because I know there's a whole world of, of people who love to do gaming and spend time inside a virtual world where the characters that they really resonate with and relate to and follow and are interested in are completely computer generated. So I have to think that there is an appeal there. Um, but, you know, it's, it's funny because she's described as she is, she is wrinkle-free, porcelain skin, her hair glistens in every type of light, and her eyes sparkle with joy all the time. She does what you want, whenever you want, and her smile never fades. She's the hardest working influencer a brand could ask for. She never sleeps, and she takes no breaks. So my next question is, and this ties again into my, my feminist kind of um, theme today, which is, why is that the ideal woman? And that scares me if, if that's what the world or, you know, any part of the world thinks the ideal woman needs to be what I just described there. Amen. Because, Amen. <laughs> because that again is not real like that perfection. And if that's the image of perfection that we're portraying to our even younger generation of girls, like what the F, <laughs> what the F exactly. <laughs> It's not real. And not only is it not real, it's not interesting, no. right? I mean, interesting women are not cookie cutter all the same. And anybody who thinks that that type of woman is desirable is somebody that I want to stay really far away from because exactly. where's the interest there? Where's the depth? Where's the nuance? Where's the challenge? Where's the intellectual, um, you know, provocation? Where's, where's all of the things that make us human and make us interesting. So, so that's another reason why I'm just not in tune with the whole digital influencer world. Yeah. And yet it does appear to be coming a thing and, and maybe appealing more to digital natives that this generation of Gen Z and below who are growing up with everything digital anyway. So maybe it feels more natural to them, but I feel like it's kind of a slippery slope. I'm, you know, absolutely sure. is. And I think it'll be interesting to see what type of feedback, you know, maybe years down the line brands get for engaging with this type of influencer specifically, when, you know, we've talked, we just finished talking about all of the negative things that can come from that. Um, yeah. I don't know if I want to align myself with a brand like that, that right. is, has a, an influencer that is portraying this false image of perfection to young girls. Like, I don't know. Well, I don't think and, so. and I, you know, I agree. And again, we're speaking from a Western American perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is taking off in China, which you know, that's very much related to the article that I, I started out with, with the whole um, de decline of female babies being born in China because of a misogynistic cultural mindset where boy babies are valued more highly than girl babies. Men are valued higher than women. Now they have an influencer who's this idealized digital young compliant woman. And so some cultures, I think brands will do great right? Because that's the value of the culture. In our country, it won't probably go over as well. And I'm not trying to China back here, by the way, but I'm just, I'm just calling it like it is, mm -hmm. right? Like there are certain values that exist mm -hmm. in certain parts oh, of the world. And they, they, they look at women and, and our, how we relate to each other as humans in a very different way. So I thought that was interesting. And I wanted to bring that up today. Yeah, absolutely interesting and <laughs> wrong on so many different levels. <laughs> get real women with us. <laughs> okay, we're going to kind of get away from the scary and yucky stuff for a minute. Um, but NASA is looking for volunteers to spend 12 months pretending 
they live on Mars and is very reminiscent of an episode that we had with Dr. Adriana Murray, uh, South African, um, wonderful, brilliant, brilliant scientist who is doing these colonizations, you know, uh, habitats here on Earth of potentially um eventually doing the same thing on Mars one day. And that is her goal is to colonize Mars. And that's episode 28, if you have not checked that out. Um, however, so yes, this uh, NASA is going to be selecting four volunteers um, who will be paid to take part in this simulated Martian exploration mission. The structure that they're going to be living in is called the Mars Dune Alpha, and it will be a 1700 square foot 3D printed space located at Johnson Space Center in Texas. Houston, Texas. Um, the structure is being built using lavacrete, which is a mix of red pulverized lava rock, cement, and water. And it's going to have private crew quarters, a robot station, a treatment room, a recreation area, and a kitchen, uh, as well as medical stations and food growing stations um, within the habitat. And it's going to offer temperature control, sound control, lighting, all the features that will help regulate routines and um, circadian rhythms so that, uh, you know, the well-being of the volunteer crew members um, is sustained. Uh, and yeah, so if you're interested, the applicants um, of the Martian mission have to be aged between 30 and 55 and in good physical health. Again, I know one <laughs> that would love to take part and that is Dr. Adriana Murray. So we're gonna have to send her this information if she doesn't already know, which would be surprising because she's she's uh, she's a smart person um, and very, very in tune with anything Mars. So um, missions like these uh, help NASA prepare for the real life challenge of space exploration. And again, potentially colonizing a different planet that is one day in the future. Definitely not a sightseeing trip that I plan to take in my lifetime, <laughs> even though I fall in the uh, age demographic and I'm in good health. Um, are they looking for like scientists, doctors, any particular type of vocation or just people who are up for uh, a challenge and are interested in moving to Mars. The article that I read did not specify any type of profession or skill set. It literally just said 30 to 55 and in good physical health. So <laughs> um, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> I think that maybe if you go in and research the application, there might be a few different criteria that weren't outlined in this particular article. Um, however, yeah, I think that, uh, it's it interesting. Is. It's it's something that we've been talking about. It's using technology that we've talked about with 3D printing um, and, you know, getting ready to potentially colonize a different planet because of the way we treat ours is realistic. You know, and I remember um, Dr. Murray talking on our podcast episode about, you know, she's, she's as you mentioned, Vanessa, creating these off-world settlements here in on planet Earth. One of them was they were going to do three months uh, I think it was three months at the South pole with the idea that you can't leave. Like once you're there and it's winter mm -hmm. time in that realm in that region, you are stuck. And that's how it's going to be for anybody who goes to Mars too. Like you can't just go back, which to me, yep. that would be a big psychological difference between what she's doing and what NASA is doing here. Because if you are in Texas Worst comes to worst, you can leave, right? Like just knowing that somewhere in the very, right. very, very back of your psyche, knowing that, you know, I can get out. And she was, she also spoke about um, doing an off-world sediment under the ocean for the very same reason that, yes. you know, you're in a pressurized. Very extreme mm -hmm. environments. Yeah. You can't, you can't mm -hmm. open the door and swim to the surface. You will be crushed. So, uh, you know, that is much more analogous to actually living on planet Mars, but you know, these are early times for this type of research and, and, um, 
I give a lot of credit to people like Adriana and to, uh, to the scientists at NASA who are really thinking ahead because, um, to your point, <laughs> we may need a backup planet someday. I don't know. But anyway, uh, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of fun there. We'll, we'll keep an eye on this article and uh, any type of things that come after this to, to see who they select. And yeah, to your point, Sue, if there's going to be any other criteria for the people they're looking for, not surprising if, mm -hmm. if there are. All right. You, you're going to want a doctor. You're going to want to, <laughs> you're going to want people with specific mindsets and skill sets, as we've discussed with Adriana in her episode, um, when you colonize a different right. planet. Gosh, what times we're living in. Fascinating. Fascinating. I know. <laughs> All right. Well, that's all for me. Again, thanks to everybody for joining us today. Uh, we'll be unpacking issues like this and many others in future episodes. So keep checking back with us. Till next time. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Get Real AF. We're excited to bring you the voices of amazing women and girls who are shaping the future for good. Please help us spread the WeGraph mission of supporting women and girls in emerging tech and science. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Our handle is at WeGetRealAF. And visit our website at www.WeGetRealAF.com. Don't forget to like, comment, and to subscribe to the podcast. We also want to give a big shout out and thanks to Sam McLean for providing sound production for the show. You can find Sam on Instagram at McLean Sounds, that's M-C-L-E-A-N-S-O-U-N-D-S, and to our voiceover artist, Veronica Horta, for her show introduction. You can find Veronica on LinkedIn by searching for Veronica Horta, H-O-R-T-A. We'll meet you back here next time for another great conversation about high tech with cool women.